Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market M&A in Private Equity. I'm your host, Mario Negro, a partner in the Private Equity M&A Group at Stikeman Elliott. And today's uh, special guest, I'd like to introduce uh, Chip Chaikin. Chip is a partner at Bluepoint Capital Partners, and Chip has um, been with Bluepoint for many years. And he's, uh, Chip and Bluepoint have been uh, actively interested in Canada and made a, a number of investments in Canada. Uh, Chip, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's great to have you here. I thought we'd start by maybe having you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Bluepoint and about your interest uh, in Canada and a bit about the history of Bluepoint in Canada. Sure. Um, and that'll take 30 minutes of the 15 minute podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> so I'm a partner in Bluepoint. Like you said, I've been with the firm yeah, 20 odd years now. Um, and Bluepoint's been active in Canada. I think we made our first investment uh, goes back into the late 90s. Um, about 20 percent of our investing activity is represent, you know buying business in Canada. Um, we have three portfolio companies in Canada now going all the way from Vancouver, uh, Toronto and then uh, one in Montreal. Um, the firm kind of specializes, we're about a third distribution businesses, roughly a third manufacturing businesses, and roughly a third business services, um, broadly defined. Um, we do primarily control investing. Most of the time, we're the first institutional capital, um, and we're big fans of the Canadian market. And I know Chip Blue Points uh, located in Cleveland, which in a normal year is uh, you know not a, not a long drive to uh, from from Cleveland to to Canada, uh, uh, and and what four or five hours to Toronto. But but obviously with uh, COVID and the border closed, you haven't been able to get across the border. Uh, and I'm curious to start there. Just given the borders closed, I mean, given Blue Points' active involvement in Canada historically, are you still looking at deals in Canada even with the border closed? Yeah, we are. You know, it's it's definitely made things a lot harder. Um, and I, I'm, I've actually been impressed with how how solidly closed the border is. Um, we have tried to, <laughs> tried to get across a number of different times um, without a lot of success. Um, but yeah, you know, I think like even within the U.S., you know, we haven't been flying to L.A. or Boston or anything like that. So a lot of the, the M&A market generally has become, you know, long distance and not in person. Um, given, like I said, that we're a firm that mostly does first institutional capital and, and most of the time are partnering with entrepreneurs, um, it's a really hard way to do business because, you you know, so much of it is around the partnership and the cultural fit. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, sort of investing in Canada during this period isn't that much different than investing outside of Ohio just because we weren't, you know, we weren't traveling that much anyway. And have you been um, active, actively pursuing uh, deals uh, in Canada, Chip, I know, uh, generally speaking, we seem to see uh, a lot of private equity still doing deals, kind of doing whatever you call them, virtual deals, where they, they kind of try to get a deal done without ever ever physically meeting the the sellers or the management team. Is that the case with Bluepoint? It is. You know, we, we have been running at a number of things, um, got close on a few. To be honest, the, the couple deals that we've closed, the couple platform deals that we've closed, um, during the COVID period, we're both within driving distance of one of our offices. So we have offices in Cleveland, Seattle, and Charlotte. So they were both, in, in one case, a business that we've known for a very long time, a management team that we've known for almost 10 years. Um, and in another business, we could drive to about 20-minute drive from our Cleveland office, um, so it could go too frequently. So you know, when I look back at what we actually got accomplished this year, it really was 
local businesses that we could visit, um, not because we were restricting ourselves to that, but just that that's what sort of this time led itself, led itself best to. Um, so we didn't actually close anything in Canada this year, but we did get close to one or two processes. And, and Chip, one of the things that I guess is what the big surprise for us is, uh, you know, we're obviously still seeing that U.S. private equity firms active in Canada. Uh, and I, I wanted to just get your sense on the, on the, on the valuations, because not only are we seeing them active, but we're seeing them, you know, really aggressively active and, and bidding valuations that are kind of surprising for this COVID environment. And I wanted to get your sense of, you know, first of all, if you're seeing that from your experience in the U S uh, if that's just a general phenomena, and then, and then if you've seen that in your, in your Canadian deals that you've looked at and you, you've put bids in on or, or seeing it in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I mentioned a couple of processes in Canada that we were not, that we did not prevail on, you know, both of those ended up trading at multiples, at least as high and probably higher than they would have over a year ago. Um, but it's really interesting. You, you could sort of see this coming right away. You know, after the 08 recession, I was getting calls from LPs saying, you know, if you guys can hold off on making an investment, that would be great because we're having some liquidity issues. This time, within like four or five days of the economy more or less being shut down, I was getting calls from people saying, hey, I got cash. If you need something opportunistic, if you see a great opportunity. So the, the market sort of never hiccuped. Um, you know, the financial markets were always there. Some of the non-bank players had a, a little bit of a struggle the first couple of weeks. But, you know, there was there was lending capacity available. Um, and what, what ended up happening, I think, is the delta between people's bids ended up being around what sort of COVID adjustments would they accept. But multiples never fell. Um, you know, financing multiples didn't fall much and certainly purchase prices didn't fall. And you ended up having a little bit of a tug of war over, you know, what COVID adjustments people including lenders would accept, but God, yeah, multiples didn't, didn't waver for a second. And in your case, you've also been trying to manage your portfolio companies in Canada, not only looking at new ones. And I wanted to, to kind of take a minute and just talk about how you are dealing. I mean, in, I, I would, in the, before COVID, I, I would guess you had quarterly meetings or regular meetings with your, Canadian portfolio companies, and that included physical um, meetings. Uh, how, how are you? How are you dealing with staying close to your portfolio companies in in the virtual world? It's interesting. In some in some ways, look, there's no substitute for you know in person meetings, but in some ways, there's been some advantages. And again, I I would say it's not that different than us. You know, I, I have a, I'm on the board of a portfolio company in Los Angeles. I haven't seen them in a year either, um, but probably, you know, I'm seeing the CEO's face and somewhere with our investments in, in Vancouver and Montreal and Toronto, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, so in some ways, this adaptation or the adoption of Zoom and Teams and things like that um, has helped connectivity a little bit. Um, it's definitely sort of the, the hard in-depth conversations are really hard to have. You know, the sort of when are you thinking of retiring? You know, is this guy the right guy? Those kind of conversations are really hard to have, not face-to-face -face and, and side-by-side. -side. Um, but in terms of sort of regular co um, connectivity, sort of regular management and oversight of the business, um, in some ways, I think the technology is making up for the shortfall of not being able to be together. Um, although it'll be, you know, it's going to be very nice to finally be able to be together, hopefully sometime soon. And I, I'm curious, during this COVID environment, uh, Chip, you've obviously seen... Um, 
uh, you know, the U.S. experience and the Canadian experience, but from a private equity lens, do you notice differences in the, you know, the way that the Canadian experience is playing out with, with your portfolio company versus, versus the uh, U.S. experience? I, I know there's obviously a slew of programs both here and in the U.S., um, I know lenders have been accommodating in both jurisdictions. Anything you particularly notice different from a, you know, U.S. private equity lens when you compare it to your U.S. portfolio companies, what you're seeing in Canada in terms of how your portfolio companies are, are, are you know, able to respond to the crisis, take advantage of the programs or, or just, just survive during this crazy time? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I, you know, everybody gets tired of their home cooking every once in a while, but I have to say, like, I've been really impressed with, the Canadian government response. I don't know how it looks to you guys on that end, but you know, the U S focused a little bit more on getting money to, to people. Um, so, you know, these sort of my, you know, my 24 year old son who did not lose his job or suffer any economic dislocation at all, keeps getting checks for no reason that I can figure out. You know, he's gotten over a couple thousand dollars of stimulus checks already. Um, whereas what I see with our Canadian businesses is, you know, these sort of wage subsidies, loan programs, things like that, that for sure allowed, you know, we have a business, for example, that supplies um, restaurants, you know, across Canada, that business obviously has been hurt badly during COVID, you know, it'll, it'll snap back once people go to restaurants again. But um, that form of government support allowed us to, to support a payroll that we could never have supported without it. Um, and then the other thing is, I think you've just had, you know, realizing that a lot of your decision making has also been province by province, like the reactions of our states have been so varied. You know, you have Florida where nobody's wearing a mask. I'm in Ohio where everybody's wearing a mask. Um, it's made it really difficult for companies to manage when they're open, you know, sort of when they had to close their facilities. Um, I think, you know, you guys have had a, a little more stability across uh, across provinces and a little bit more coherent response, I think. Um, so in, in general, actually, I've been a bit more of a fan of the way the Canadian government has managed it you know, compared to the U.S. government. Although, to be honest, I think, you know, everyone's probably done almost as almost the best they can, at least as it relates to companies and business. And, and Chip, as we kind of hopefully could start talking about a COVID recovery or a post-COVID world or however we want to frame a, 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 maybe to say a, a year like, a, a different from the year we just had, <laughs> um, I wanted to get your sense of, you know, when you see, uh, where blue points going um, um, and and the opportunities ahead uh, have you changed your focus in terms of the type of deals you're looking for and obviously I'll ask that in the context of Canada you're obviously distribution focused that's been a core principle for you but is there, there things that in this environment you know you would say hey you know given what we've seen I, you know things have changed we're, we're kind of looking you know, more towards certain type of sectors versus others or any, any changes in your philosophy of investing, um, given what we've just experienced. You think my, like our, our fund five is going to be entirely a plexiglass and max mask and disinfectant fund. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, um, I wonder why, I wonder why. Um, you know, Mario, it's a great, it's a really good question. I think, you know, we, the companies of ours that got hit, got hit because they were dependent on sort of human to human contact. So think of, you know, the restaurant supply business is a really good example. I'm not sure we can ever underwrite away from problems like that. Cause you'd never see that coming. Similarly, the next black swan is probably something we're not thinking about today. So our, our focus is really around 
buying businesses where the business model has flexibility built into it. Um, and that's served us well here too, where you can, you know, you can take costs out quickly. You don't have a lot of CapEx. You can sort of batten down the hatches. You've got flexibility in terms of being able to take your core competency into other industries if your industry is suffering a bit. Um, so I think it'll enhance the premium for flexible businesses, you know, sort of a single product, single market, you know, single facility, relatively high fixed cost kind of business just doesn't make any sense in a world where you don't know what's coming at you. You, you just know every year something's going to come at you. And if I can, and it may not be possible, so I acknowledge this ahead of time, but when you look at Canada going forward, any changes in your philosophy towards investing in Canada would still be a focus for you? even after COVID? Um, Absolutely. Uh, just, I mean, you know, Martin, we've, we've, you and I have talked about this privately a little bit. Like, I just, I think the U.S. has a, we sort of get this this stability premium that that maybe is a, is a tad bit undeserved. Um, but, you know, when you look at uh, the sort of Canadian government response to different problems, and, and look, I know it doesn't look great to everybody there, um, but it, it just the, the stability of the responses, um, I think the... Um, the sort of social cohesion with which people mostly face problems. Um, the, you know, generally, even if you look at, you know, mortgage lending practices with the banks or other things, you know, it's a little more conservative. Maybe you don't have the high, high end growth that we have sometimes, um, but much greater stability. I think much greater predictability. Um, again, may not, you know, Mari may not look like this sitting in, in your shoes on your side of the border, but to us, I think this has only made it a more attractive place on a relative basis to invest. One of the things that's interesting about Bluepoint, when you talk about your interest in Canada, Chip, and one of the few U.S. private equity funds that I know that has investments, uh, you know, a lot of people invested in kind of certain regions in Canada, whether it's Western or, or Eastern or Ontario. But in, in Bluepoint's case, you have an investment in Ontario, investment in Quebec. So you're an investment in British Columbia. You're really diversified. And, and, and again, I kind of throw that out to you, uh, you know, that, that trend is unique. We don't see as, you know, when we see a U.S. private equity fund invest in Canada, we, we don't see that kind of geographic diversity. Yeah, it, it, um, makes sense. I, I'm curious if, again, if that's, the, as you look, you know, any, anything you've learned from that or as you go forward, that'll still be the case, the, the geographic diversity. Yeah, so so much of that is driven by our, our history. So, you know, we've got an office in Seattle. We've been there for 24 years. So, you know, obviously Seattle's pretty proximate to Vancouver. Um, so we've been investing in BC since the late nineties. Um, as you said, Ontario, you know, I can get to Ontario in three and a half hours from Cleveland. Um, so we've invested in Ontario for a long time. And then, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of USP funds are a little leery of Quebec sometimes because it's a different environment. Um, you know, we've had investments there also for a number of years. You know, I think our first investment there was also late nineties. Um, so we're comfortable there as well. And, you know, we're very aware that each of those markets sort of behaves differently. Each has different kind of labor situation, um, economic drivers, other things like that. But uh, we're really comfortable in all those markets. We, we tend to stay away from commodities. So you won't, you probably won't see us in, you know, Alberta much or something like that. But I think in those, in those three provinces, we'll continue to be pretty active. And, you know, I have last question for you, Chip, and I appreciate this. I mean, as you look at the Canadian landscape, uh, you know, you know, the, can, if I can ask you for your takeaway, one one thing you really like about Canada, and I'm curious, is there, sir, or maybe I should put it a different way, something you, a differentiator that you really notice about Canada from a from an investment point of view 
uh, whether that's, you know, uh, um, differentiated from the U.S. or just it's just unique to Canada. I'm, cu- I'm curious if I can leave you with that. The last kind of unique element of Canada from an investment point of view. Uh, the, the ability to get to within, you know, 10 minutes of any company that we look at. Um, you, you scored a lot of points <laughs> saying that there. Uh... <laughs> I'm a, I have a, a terrible dieting habits. Um, you know, a lot, so much of it, I think, is around, um, again, just the um, the sort of s- regulatory and heart, you know, stability. I know sometimes people think it's a little bit over overweening, but, you know, I think the the market's relatively predictable. Um, you see a lot less, you know, ultra aggressive behavior in business, which, you know, sometimes has its advantages, but often leads to sort of whipsawing, which isn't, you know, really conducive to sort of leverage buyouts. Um, I just think you've, you've got a, a little bit more stable of an environment generally to operate in there. Maybe again, less, maybe a little bit high, less high growth multiples, maybe a little bit lower debt availability, maybe a little bit lower. Um, but I think all in all, just the, the greater sort of stability and predictability, not to say it's stable and predictable, but compared to us, I think, um, is really attractive. Chip, this is wonderful. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate the insight. Uh, it was it was great to have you. Um, so thank you again to Chip Chaken, a partner at Bluepoint Capital Partners, for joining us today. And uh, uh, Chip, we appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Mary. Always a pleasure.